Welcome back, everybody, to Bright Young Things. Well, hi, hi Sophia. First jinx of the episode. That's a good sign. <laughs> we always get it done way off early on the bat, so that's good. I know. I'm glad that people I, can tune I just in. butchered that expression. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice because I just kept going. <laughs> uh, once again, a middle of the week recording, which I feel adds to um, the eccentricities, uh, the the joy, the randomness of, of the I chat. Like it. That's, that's a very poetic way of thinking about it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm really reflecting on that. Before we get into it, though, there's breaking news just announced today. Yeah. They're doing a sequel to How I Met Your Mother, starring Hilary Duff. Oh my God! When I when I heard that news, like you sent it to me, which makes sense because you and I are the biggest fans of that show. I How I Met Your Mother is one of the pillars of mine and Sophia's friendship. Yes, and our personalities. I feel like I. I really, 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 really love that show. And I was one of the people who was devastated when the Lizzie McGuire reboot got canceled. And now I'm like, it was all meant to be because now we get Hillary in How I Met Your Father. So here's the thing. Okay. I'm not a fan of this so far. What? (laughs) I just, it's just a sequel. I don't get how it could be a sequel. It's obviously a different cast of characters. Why don't they just come up with like an original idea instead of. Here's my thing. I just trust the writers of How I Met Your Mother so much. Like they t- after, after they did that ending to you? Okay, well, not the ending. Obviously, <laughs> no spoilers, but the ending has been out for like six years now. Yeah, but... spoilers for a show that ended <laughs> half a decade ago. You have to say that in the age of Netflix and like reboots and whatever. <laughs> People are watching shows from all over the place. But I just feel like I trust them so much. They weave in different stories that you think like have been completely forgotten they're gonna pull this off it's not gonna be bad so you think this is gonna be like a fraser situation i hope not or no fraser is good though so wait yes <laughs> that is what you want you a fraser that i didn't know about no fraser's a okay. spinoff of the one that oh, i can't remember yeah. the name of um isn't he a guest in cheers like he was a recurring yeah that's it cheers yes okay yeah yeah, yeah. i i could see it being that way and i think that's good or will it be the Joey spinoff of Friends situation? That's a, that's a different direction. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, if you think of like how my another formative thing for my personality, Daria, was a spinoff of Beavis and Butthead. I would never watch Beavis and Butthead. I didn't, but I didn't know about that. Daria is everything to me. So... Welcome to our spinoffs episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast about books. Don't worry about it. Uh, What's your opinion on young Sheldon? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what that's what my perspective is on this how I met your father thing. I'm like, like, uh, really? <laughs> but time will tell. I know. I know. Maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised. Maybe like what will happen is the reverse will happen and you go in with low expectations and I go in with high expectations <laughs> and then we're both like flipped by the end. Who knows? We're going to make a podcast out of that when that show comes out. We have to. <laughs> we have to. I also didn't grow up watching uh, Lizzie McGuire, so there's that. <laughs> that shocks me. I feel like it's such a <laughs> such a good show. I I loved it. <laughs> Not reflecting at times. Anyway. Okay, all of that aside... <laughs> it is National Poetry Month this month. Yes, it is. So we're going to be talking about some of our favorite poets this week. You've got some 
fun, fun facts lined up. Yeah, I do. I have some less fun facts lined up. <laughs> I'm sure they're great. Just like in true Austin fashion, most of the poets I know are like ancient Greek and Roman. That's great. Love it. You see all this hate mail I'm getting like, Austin, oh, all you do is read Roman stuff and work at Walmart <laughs> and are tired all the time. No, that's, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> we love yeah, and the other it. person that sent this mail is Kate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Kate. Um, I find it thrilling. I, I love to hear about it. I feel like in our friendship, like, you wear the professor blazer with the elbow patches when it comes to like ancient Roman Greece, and I do when it comes to um, romance. And <laughs> if you can, if you can wear blazers with elbow patches about that, and um, I'll say like contemporary fiction, I'm I'm into that. I'm into it. Sophia's all about the romance. I'm all about the romance. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah anyway i mean do you want to go first austin i feel like yours is going to be fun so i've been reading this week i've been reading the metamorphoses by ovid which is like a retelling of the like all the greco-roman foundation myths and stuff and all their legends and heroes sounds interesting but it's really long so i haven't gotten too far through it yeah and i'm also kind of like the iliad and the odyssey by homer nice. the aeneid by Virgil, all that kind of stuff but for more recent stuff, I'm less knowledgeable. How about you? What are your who, are your, who are some of your favorite authors? Um, for this episode, I solely focused on my girl Emily Dickinson. Uh, I'm bringing one power punch to the table, and <laughs> I'll, I'll get into it later. But I'm happy with my decision. You posted today about Pablo Neruda too. Yes, I did. <laughs> I love Pablo. Um, fun fact, uh, Henry and I actually exchanged a lot of Neruda poetry during the early days of our, um, courtship. Yeah. Courtship. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, it's a good time. I have a lot of respect for his work. So, yeah. What was the one you posted today? Was it, It was what did Neruda write? I don't even know. He, he wrote a lot of collections. Um, so the one that I chose was just like a quote that I really love. I haven't actually read it in a book. I've read, I think, three collections of his work. Um, again, I couldn't tell you the title of the overall collections because they're just a bunch that have been compiled by different people. But yeah, I, I really like his stuff and it's just really great. I feel like when I read poetry, I don't often remember the title of one thing because it's always like a collection of them and there's like mm-hmm. 80 titles there's been two poets i've been getting into lately because i was really into fleetwood mac like last summer and last fall yeah. okay and that's what they that's what i want to listen to but they had two songs where the lyrics were taken from like poets okay so the one is called the dragonfly by wh davies which is it's kind of like really peaceful and mellow yeah and there's one called dust by Rupert Brooke, which is about death, and it's a little bit more somber, but it's really beautifully written, so I'd say people should check that out. Cool. Mm. I really like that. I think it's funny that um, during our undergrad, I worked for, here we go, this is like take a shot every time Sophia references Blueprint, Um, but I was the editor-in-chief of our arts and literary magazine, which specialized in 
literary work, creative nonfiction, poetry, art, photography, and design. And so I was like encountering poetry written by people, mostly our age, but like some profs or like older people would submit as well. And I was like really impressed a lot of the time because I, my mom loves poetry and she would always try to make me read it when I was younger. She's very passionate about, she's a teacher and she, her favorite thing to teach is English and she loves teaching people about poetry. And one of her favorite things to do is during her unit, she'll teach people about haiku. She'll teach people about like stanza, blah, blah. And then she'll get to limericks. And she's like, this is my favorite type of poem because I'm from Limerick, Ireland. And I, that always makes me crack up so hard. Um, but yeah. right, so I've wanted, wanted to ask you, yeah. can you do an Irish accent? No. Um, no, but apparently when I was younger, like both of my grandmothers would comment on how I spoke because one of my grandmothers is Latin American, she's Salvadoran, and then my other grandmother is Irish, and like because they immigrated when they were like in their 40s, they obviously still have their accents, and Mm. so they would be like, wow, like they would like notice like different things I would say (laughs) that sounded like them because like they spent so much time with me, they like really helped out in raising me, so fun fact. You can't even do a a top of the morning. No. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure my cousins would like sucker punch me if they heard me say (laughs) that. They're going to come sucker punch me. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be getting hate mail from Kate and your cousins now. (laughs) This whole podcast is just going to be poor Austin. (laughs) Several letters a month. The the hate mail episode. (laughs) A live reading. Welcome. (laughs) Slam poetry for real. I give myself an asthma attack from laughing so hard. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying your mom likes to teach limericks. Yeah. So anyway, growing up, um, she always bought me a lot of um, collections of poetry, and she really tried to get me into it. And other than Shakespeare and Emily Dickinson, not much else stuck. I remember, like when I was like maybe thirteen, I tried um, some of Elizabeth Barrett Browning's work. And I really enjoyed that. I, I liked hearing about her work, actually. Um, the girls at the the women at um, Bonnets of Dawn, the podcast, they actually just released a book called Why She Wrote, uh, which is awesome. It's basically like a graphic novel detailing like the lives of famous writers who were women um, during like the 1700s to 1900s. And they did a section on Elizabeth Barrett Browning. I believe. Um, and yeah, even if they didn't, it's a great book. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember them talking about her. And yeah, she led a really cool life too. So if you're ever looking for fun facts, I mean, yeah. It sounds really good... interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the specifics, do you have like a certain favorite like genre of poetry or a certain theme? No, I think like Working at Blueprint, I was really lucky in that I was exposed to a lot of different styles. So there would be like, you know, like free verse poetry, um, just like different stanzas, different collections. I think what was weird was like it took me a while to get used to like some people wouldn't put grammar in. Some people would put it in in a weird way. And it was like some of it was stream of consciousness. Some of it was. And at first that was too much for my brain. Like I could not. Uh And, like, I I didn't realize how, like, attached to grammar I was until it was gone. Um, 
And like, I've heard some people on Bookstagram saying that even about books that are pretty experimental with how they represent dialogue or just the narrative in general. So yeah, I think like that experience really showed me how to like show up and like separate the structure from the message. So I think that's really cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, li- I like narrative poetry more than anything else, really. Like mm-hmm. like my ancient poets that I like, a lot of their poetry is really narrative. Awesome. And I know your opinions on everyone's favorite misogynist, Percy Shelley. Percy. <laughs> what an ass. But one Sorry. of my favorite poems. Bleep that. That was bad. I didn't even hear what you said. Okay, good, good. Say it a second time and I'll beep it twice. <laughs> no, I just, I said a mean word but he was a terrible man (laughs) but sorry to say it but his poem Ozymandias is one of my favorite poems that's fair I mean you can be a genius and still be terrible like me no you're not you're not terrible (laughs) can you imagine if I said that and was like no you're not a genius (laughs) (laughs) just to clarify you are a genius and you are not terrible (laughs) That's all Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I've also wanted to read his Prometheus Unbound for a long time too. Oh, me too, actually. So I've I've downloaded that to my phone. It's that's actually based off an ancient Greek play or a trilogy of plays called like Prometheus. There's Prometheus Bound and there's Prometheus Unbound by Aeschylus. Mm-hmm. But that Prometheus Bound has been Unbound has been lost for centuries. Oh wow! But I haven't gotten around to reading Shelley's yet, but I want to. Nice. Yeah, I'd like to read Mary Wollstonecraft's work. That's um, Mary Shelley's mother. Ah. And she did a lot of, like, really cool work. And it's been in my wish list for a while, but I just, I haven't uh, pulled the trigger on that yet. (laughs) But I will, hopefully. I just wanted to say, too, going back to your Days in Blueprint, I really enjoyed all those blueprint parties, but I hate performative poetry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So much. <laughs> it's like, I'm always very proud of them when they have the courage to go up there because I don't think I would. And I, I did enjoy it more than I thought I would. Cause when I first started working there, I wasn't EIC. I was just a promotions manager and I was like, wow, these people are actually going to do this. And they saw it and I was like, you go, you go guys. Like I was like pumped. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's an remember that one thing. guy. What was it? It was called he or him or something. No, <laughs> it was like so long ago. It doesn't get more like poetic personality, I guess, than that. I, I think you're right. Yeah, he um, had his girlfriend announced him before he came up and performed his piece. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Slam Poetry. What I've seen of it on media that seems awful <laughs> I don't you know. sit in a dimly lit room with a wearing a scarf in the middle of july with a oh, cigarette no. and just I sit never... there and no I, I i don't think it's super i don't know i i haven't been to one but i did interview someone who's in charge of like a poetry collective in kw and she was like really cool she was into like different things but who knows it could it, i've never been to one so i can't speak on it but Okay, do you want to get into your fun facts? Let's do it. Do you want me to go first? Sure. I don't I don't have much yet, so I'll just be a hype man for now. Okay, I love it. Okay. So I wanted to talk about Emily Dickinson because oh, dang. 
I think she's fascinating. I've always Buckle really liked her. Yeah, that's right. Austin, this is really good hype work. I should bring you everywhere with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I put a picture on the, the bookstagram this week because... Oh, she is... went there. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> no, that one was so good. <laughs> Um, I was not expecting that. That was beautiful. She did um, it. She did it, everyone. <laughs> but I, now I can't speak without laughing. I I put a picture on the bookstagram this week because it is the Scholastic edition of The Essential Emily Dickinson that my mom bought me from a Scholastic book order in like grade four or five. And I have held on to it all these years. I loved it. Um, and before we get into fun facts about Emily Dickinson, fun fact about me, um, I could recite two of her poems off by heart by the age of 11. That is a very fun fact. Do you, can I, you still memorize them off by heart? Probably not. But I did bookmark one <laughs> to read here. I don't know when I thought, like, did you ever have that thing, like, when you were little, where you were like, yeah, I'm going to need this when I'm an adult. Um, it's going to come in handy. So I better do this now to prepare. Like, I don't know when I thought I would need to recite this poem off by heart. Like, I don't know if I was thinking like, oh, what a good party trick or like what. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, uh, this seems necessary. So I did that. I bought a, a phone slash address book because uh, I knew that I would need to record. I still have it, by the way. I still have it. And I was like, I'm sure that I'm going to need to remember everyone's address and phone number. So here's my phone book. My nan had a phone book and it was infamous. It was like this thick, like audience, like, like seven inches thick. And she probably knew every number and like where to find every number in there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's banned countries. Like 30% of it was like Irish people. 30% it was like, like, all, like all these different numbers. And I was like, oh yeah, like when I'm an adult, I'm going to need this. And now I'm like, oh I still have it. One day I'm going to use it. Don't know when. <laughs> anyway, here we go. So my facts about Emily came from Mental Floss, EmilyDickinson.net, and Reader's Digest. Love and it. Love I, it all. That's my citation. That's how I'm going to go down with this. Okay. This is really interesting because I knew some, but I didn't know all of these. Are you ready, Austin? I am ready. Emily's dad was a U.S. senator. The Dickinson family lived in Amherst, Massachusetts, and Emily actually lived in her family house called the Homestead all her life. Um, the Dickinsons were devout Calvinists, and basically, like, evangelical Calvinism is, like, one of the basic beliefs is that humans are born as sinners and must be saved with conversion, um, she never underwent a conversion herself, but some scholars like argue that they can see the influence of this belief in her work. I don't know how true that is, but I have heard that some of her, like the stylistic components of her poems, like resemble religious like psalms. So that's kind of interesting. Um, some consider Emily a rebel in matters of religion and social propriety. So she attended church until she was in her 30s, but she was also known to call herself a pagan. And she wrote about the merits of science over religion, which is kind of like rare in this time. Like people oh, were still- She pagan. also went there. 
she did. People were also pretty conservative about that. So I thought that was cool. Um, what a lot of people know about her, and I think that you'll know this already too, is that she was known for being extremely reclusive. So there was a lot of rumors flying around about her eccentric lifestyle. One that I really love is the idea that she only wore white. This is fascinating. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I love the idea that she was obsessed with seclusion. I don't know if she was obsessed with it or like she just preferred that way of life. That's totally fine. Um, that seems like a poet way of life. Right? Like that's pretty artsy and like that's... That's you never really hear of poets who are like super socialized and they always spend their night on the town. And You're right. I think you're right. Maybe there is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. We need to make more friends with poets. Add that to the to-do list post-pandemic. <laughs> um, what if we had like a friendship like dating profile for like finding other friends and we were like, check this box. Are you a poet? <laughs> Funny of poets. <laughs> uh Okay, so this rumor about her only wearing white was actually disproven. Um, One of the most famous photos that we have of Emily that I feel like everyone has seen, like either online or in books, is her in a brown dress. Uh, So there's photos going around of her in brown and black clothing. And then people believe that like the white dress rumor was perpetuated because the few times she was mentioned in letters or writings from her friends, they mention her being in white. Um, and she also, uh, one of her last wishes was to be buried in white. And that kind of like hmm. cemented the rumor and people were like, oh, maybe it is true. Apparently, um, at her family home, which is now. Spill the tea. Spill the tea. Um, that's what Americans like to do. Spill tea. Uh, in the harbor. Um, that's oh, she went <laughs> there again, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and. So yeah, apparently in the museum dedicated to her, they actually, like one of the few or the only remaining dress uh, that they have from her is white. Uh, So this Hmm. is probably how the rumor lives on. Just a thought. (laughs) There's one one dress they have. That's the (laughs) only thing she ever wore. (laughs) Yeah, seems legit. That's how they talk about (laughs) women in history. They're like, yeah, so uh, she did this. So that's all she did. And that's it. Um. So scholars have commented on the fact that from an early age, Emily chose to restrict her social engagements. So in her late 20s, she chose to stay within her family home for the vast majority of the time, which, to be fair, who among us would not prefer to be at home? Um, I was going to say, it seems like Dickinson would be thriving today. Yeah, like she probably pandemic times. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And similarly to us with our texting, Emily kept the majority of her relationships over letters. So she was up to speed with her friends. And some people said she she like judged her friendships over like their capabilities of writing. I don't know how they would how they would know that. Um, that seems like speculation, but that's just me. Unless they have a surviving letter saying like, you're not a very good writer. I think I'm going to call it quits on this friendship. I gotta go. I'm ghosting you in my life. <laughs> I'm just gonna go over here and haunt my house. <laughs> uh, Emily didn't get married, but her work includes passionate love poems and three love letters, now known as the Master Letters. These guys were written between 1858 and 1862, and no one knows who they were addressed to, which I think is so exciting and cool. Ooh, mystery man. Yeah. 
Um, his, historians have speculated that potential recipients um, include Samuel Bowles, the editor of a newspaper in Springfield. Not bad. Uh, her close friend, Benjamin Newton. No comment on what he did. Um, <laughs> George Gold, who attended school with Emily's brother and reportedly proposed to her in the 1850s. Wild. I can't um, imagine they would be addressed to him if she rejected his proposal. Maybe it was prior to the rejection. Maybe it was like all leading oh, up to it. And then like when it finally came down to it, she was like, sorry, buddy. This is not make good poetry. <laughs> <laughs> like this tragedy will make you stronger. It will strengthen your work. <laughs> it's for the best. That's like the that's like the best breakup line someone could use. Sorry, this will only fuel our poetry careers. I, <laughs> I gotta go. I wouldn't even be mad if that's like how someone broke up with me. I'd be like, okay, I respect it. <laughs> um, Emily's work became most prolific during 1858 to 1865 in her late 20s and early 30s. So initially, um, her poetry was criticized for its unique take on grammar. And, like, when you read her poetry, like, it definitely takes a second to get into. Like, my brain had to adjust. And <laughs> it's beautiful when it happens. But, like, the first couple sentences, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I really do enjoy it. And I highly recommend it. So she's credited with being extremely creative in her writing. Her style of poetry disregarded many common literary rules. She experiments mostly with capitalization and frequently in po poetry, her sentences run on. Um, and that's kind of like when you're reading it too, you kind of feel like you're just talking to someone or like hearing like thoughts come out naturally. I don't know. It's weird because it kind of like takes you out of the writing for a second because you're like, oh, this isn't how I normally read. But then you almost feel like you're like, in someone's mind more because there's nothing restraining it it's just kind of there and i think that's cool do you find you like absorb poetry better when it's read silently or read aloud that's a good point i i feel like mm, the only thing that i automatically like reading out loud most of the time is shakespeare because that i always know like okay it's a play or it's poetry i think it should be said out loud uh -huh. this, as you know, I definitely said it out loud because I memorized certain parts of it. <laughs> it does sound beautiful when it's read out loud. Um, and I also remember I I made, this is like between you and I and the podcast listeners, I made my great boyfriend read me poetry out loud. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. This and wasn't he, Henry, right? This is a different boyfriend? Did was. you dump him saying this will make great poetry one day? <laughs> no. I wish that was our, our ending. No, it, it was not. But he was actually really good at it. Um, and it does sound different out loud. And he actually enjoyed reading it out loud. So you know what? Y you learn everything. And poetry is wonderful for everyone. Um, but yeah, that's a good point, Austin. I don't know. I should read more stuff out loud. I'm sure that's what everyone wants. Me to become a recluse poet, just reading things out loud in my room in a white dress. <laughs> I mean, if anything good comes out of this COVID thing, that could be one of them. <laughs> and then by 2021, she became a recluse, a poet of her own. <laughs> okay, here we go. Thomas Wentworth Higginson, now that's a name, a friend of Emily's, praised her writing ability and innovation, but discouraged her from publishing her poems. 
So some people think he just wasn't like with it or hip or smart enough to understand that like this was really cool stuff. And then other people thought um, he just didn't think the general public would get it uh, or understand her genius. Um, Either way, it seems a little bit weird. I feel like if your friend was like, yeah, buddy, don't worry about publishing it. You'd be like, red flag. Where's the support? (laughs) But whatever. Um, Between 1850 and 1878, 10 of Dickinson's poems and one letter were published in newspapers or journals, but she didn't give permission for any of these works to be published and they weren't attributed to her by name. Uh, She kept the majority to herself or in letters to friends. And when she passed away, uh, kind of like only then did her sister Lavinia, who also lived at home with her, discover almost 1,800 poems in her room. Wow. Yeah. Like, (laughs) that's something to walk in on and be like, oh, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Do you just want me to scrapbook these? I see. Busy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like here, I thought she was just staring out the window. Um, like her white dress. (laughs) What? Oh man, we'll get into this on a Bronte episode. But, um, yeah, Emily Bronte was known for just staring out the window, doing nothing. And then one time, apparently, like Charlotte or Anne walked up behind her to see what she was looking at because she had just been staring for like an hour, and like there was a curtain on the window, so she was just (laughs) staring at the curtain. (laughs) Like me at work, three quarters of the day, <laughs> staring at the parking lot, <laughs> waiting for time to pass. Uh, yeah, eighteen hundred poems in her room—that's fantastic. So apparently, some of them were like bound, and then others were just like kind of sitting there chilling. Some of them were written on the backs of receipts, um, just huh. like whenever she wanted. I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's not known what kind of health problems that Emily had, but we do know that she had them. Um, And people like basically from what I found, they attributed this to the lack of written evidence or like kind of overt stating of what was going on in her writing and writing about her. Um, And partially because she was very private. She she held well, she lived a secluded life. And I think that's her choice and obviously respect that. Um, but it's difficult to determine what exactly she did have or deal with. So some historians have put forth the idea that she had epilepsy. Uh, Relatives of hers actually had it. I think her nephews. So some people said that, you know, just the anxiety of like something happening. And like, I don't know how up to speed they were back then about epilepsy. So, you know, having to worry about what people would think of you. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know how far away, like probably a hundred years ago, like people were like burning witches at the stake for similar symptoms. Like she was probably just like, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Um, And then other people speculate she had depression uh, and anxiety disorders, which could have led to her preference to stay indoors and away from society. We also know that towards the end of her life, um, Emily also began to suffer from pain in her eyes. Uh, and they don't know what disorder led to this, but it basically lasted about two years and it ended in the 1860s. But while she had that, she like couldn't write with ink. She had to write in pencil. And then sometimes she couldn't read or write at all, which would probably be a nightmare if that's what you live to do. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very strange. Yeah. So apparently it was like a sensitivity or a pain in her eye. And then, yeah, she died in 1886. She also, like, cared for her mother most of her life. Um, Her mother also suffered from 
depression and other health issues. So she and Lavinia stayed at home by choice. They never married. And Emily kind of nursed her mom until it was done for her. And Emily herself died at just 55 um, in 1886. Hmm. And that's that. Those were all very fun facts. Thank you. I thought it was I thought it was fun. I also <laughs> brought my favorite poem by her. Ready, Austin? Yeah, I'm ready. Is this, this one of the ones you had memorized when you were younger? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Where is that? Oops. Don't worry, I got it. My bookmark is you, think this. you can read the first few lines and then yeah. start to get into it and remember the rest of them off by heart or not so much? Yes. I'm nobody. Who are you? That's the first line. <laughs> you you can't see it, but Austin and I just like miraculously changed into turtlenecks and turtle. <laughs> Okay. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell. They'd banish us, you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public, like a frog. To tell your name the live long June to an admiring bog. And that's that. To the point. Quick. Ruthless. I like it. Very concise. Yeah. I just like, I thought it was beautiful. I'm about it. Mm -hmm. Have you seen, sorry. What? You go. I was, have you seen the show Dickinson about Emily Dickinson? It's been on my list forever and I haven't gotten around to it. Maybe that's what I should do next. I haven't seen it, but it seems like similar in tone to the great. Okay. That's on uh, Amazon Prime. I love the great. I haven't actually seen the Dickinson one, but it seems like a more like comedic, take on lighthearted it. take on the love that on the character on the person. Love it. Yeah, I was just gonna say that like Emily Dickinson feels like the patron saint of like introverts who are just done with people's bleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, I I really love her. I love her work. And I celebrated National Poetry Month by purchasing a copy of The Essential Emily Dickinson from our local bookshop, Wordsworth Books. Oh, that that bookstore is so expensive. No, I had a gift card, but it's worth it. (laughs) Keep independent bookstores alive. I'm an old goat man myself. Love old goat, live old goat. (laughs) Old goat sponsor us. I can get to my fun facts about poetry. Let's go, Austin. Poetry is a form of literature that uses aesthetic and often often rhythmic qualities of language, <laughs> such as phone aesthetics, sound symbolism, and meter, to evoke meanings in addition to or in place of prosaic ostensible meaning. Poetry has a long history, dating back to prehistoric times with hunt, hunting poetry in Africa to panegyric and elegaic cork poetry of the empires of the Nile, Niger, and Volta River Valleys. Wow. Some of the earliest written poetry in Africa occurs among the period among the pyramid texts written in the 20th century BCE. The eldest surviving Western Asian epic poetry, the Epic of Gilgamesh, was written in Sumerian. I love that. So that was that. the paragraph of the poetry page on Wikipedia. <laughs> that was beautiful, <laughs> and I want you to know that um, Sumerian triggered something in me because it must have been a multiple choice answer for one of our archaeological <laughs> exams. <laughs> beautiful. That's where I get all my information is from Wikipedia. <laughs> love it. Love it. 
So in case anyone didn't know what poetry was going in, there you go. <laughs> we should have started the episode with that. Honestly, <laughs> I would have liked to have known. <laughs> I should just, well, every topic from now on, let's define it from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia, define rom-com. <laughs> define ancient Rome. So are there any other poets that you can think of that stood out to you? <sighs> Let me think. I think that I'm not very like, oh, well, obviously I like like modern things like Ruby Kaur. Um, I think she's phenomenal. I know that people really love, I think it's Amanda or Ava Lovelace. Oh, yeah. You know who I'm talking about. She yeah. does like, um, like feminist retellings of like folklorish things. Um, she does like the witch doesn't burn in this one. Um, I think ice queen. We, we actually have a review on our bookstagram of an arc that I was approved for of her latest release. Um, which is pretty cool. Like I like interpretations like that. I just find that like sometimes when it comes to like modern stuff, this is so lame of me, but I can't take it like as seriously. Um, and yeah, it really depends on like the tone and how it's presented. Like I have friends who have written like, like one of my really, really great friends who's actually, her name is Emily too, coincidence. Um, <laughs> she wrote some poetry for Blueprint and I was like, like one made me cry. Um, it was just beautiful. And my friend Manrita is also a super talented writer. So, you know, it's, it's cool when you can see what people can do. And I think it like kind of like allows people to explore things in different ways. You know what I mean? Like a diary uh -huh. entry is one thing. A book is one thing. But like when you're reading someone's poetry, it's like, wow, like is this like, like this is your thought process, but also it's like the way you choose to present it, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Have you ever read Walt Whitman? No. I hate Walt Whitman. You do? Uh I remember... I had to do a, a project on him in grade 11. No. F you, old I mean, you, you ruined <laughs> that class for me. Oh, my God. I didn't know you felt so passionately about Whitman. Is this, like, your Hemingway? It might be. <laughs> wow. We're learning so much this episode. Walt Whitman, you patriotic bugger. <laughs> um, I remember, like, I had to read, like, something by William Carlos Williams, and I remember, like, I can't remember if, oh, maybe I'm thinking of a short story, but I know I read something by Joyce Carol Oates where it felt, like, poetry-like, but her writing style is really unique in general, so it could have just been a short story. Oh, you know who I love who we didn't even talk about? Who? Dorothy Parker. I'm obsessed. I can't believe I'm not I familiar. So she was one of the writers at the Algonquin table in like the 40s-ish. Don't quote me on that. I'm I'm skeptical of myself. But she wrote really good yeah, More hate mail if you're wrong on that. <laughs> <laughs> All the Dorothy Parker students are like, sure. <laughs> talk about her that way. Um, no, but she wrote like really, really great like um, like short stories. And oh, the book is on the other side of the room. I can't pick it up. But I read a lot of that in high school and she wrote like really dark stuff, like really dark, humorous stuff. Like, yeah, it was, it was really like acidic. Like she was known for like, um, talking about suicide, um, just like her depression, but she would like sit at this table full of like mostly guys and just like shoot the bleep, um, about the life. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you. That was a good save. And <laughs> yeah, she's like hardcore too. I remember like I was reading this book, The Portable Dorothy Parker, and it came up on this poem talking about like all these ways about like committing suicide. And like we were doing a project in English and they were like, oh, can anyone think of like a really good thing about like despair? And I was like, and no one in my group like had any examples they're like come on you guys you must have had like a piece of writing that talks about despair and then I like pull this book out of my bag and I was like uh (laughs) it's like one of those things like you remember when you were talking about like Titus Andronicus and you were like I hope people don't think this that like I'm like this (laughs) this how I felt I was like nobody judge me for how dark this is because like uh but yeah anyway I've got some real, actual fun facts about poetry for me to read some off. Let's do it. John F. Kennedy's favorite poem was I Have a Rendezvous with Death by Alan Seeger. Wow. Uh, I just was the other one. I could see that. I feel like JFK, like, he's also, like, Irish Catholic. There's a lot of guilt there. There's <laughs> a lot of, like, um, preparing yourself for death. And I just, I relate to him there. That's beautiful. Poet Amy Lowell once bought a stash of 10,000 cigars, claiming she needed, the help, she needed them to help her write. Okay. Maybe that's what I should do to kick off my poetry career. Kate comes home and the whole apartment is just covered in, like, cigar smoke. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Just preparing my work. That's what we should do with GoFundMe, where people will fund to, fund us to buy 10,000 cigars. I want to sit in a room and smoke them and write poetry. <laughs> <laughs> there was an Elizabethan poet and reverend called Thomas Bastard. Wow, that's that's ironic. I don't often swear, so there's one for you and for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we need a swear jar for this. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but today in the podcast, I've had a lot of leaps. Oh, here's one for you. The epitaph on Emily Dickinson's gravestone in Amherst, Massachusetts, composed by the poet herself, features just two words. Do you know what they are? It is called back. Yes. Yes. Very good. Thank you. I feel like maybe I should be on Jeopardy, but just about Emily Dickinson. <laughs> I think that's all I got. <laughs> that's awesome. I like the cigars one. That feels so random. I love it. <laughs> it's like when like celebrities now, like they prep and they're like in the green room. I need like four Kit Kats and like 16 <laughs> bottles of vitamin water. But then back then they're like, I need 10,000 cigars. <laughs> And it's not to play a sold-out stadium. It's to write this collection of 45 poems. <laughs> they didn't even say that she needed to smoke them. Maybe she just needed them to be in the room. Maybe. Take inspiration from. I feel like that amount of cigars could kill you. That's a lot. <laughs> okay, do you, to, just to round off this episode, do you want to read any more of your choice poetry? I didn't I didn't bring any. I honestly, after like the Nobody poem, that's that's my favorite. I'm Nobody. Um, I highly recommend that if you can give poetry a try. Mm-hmm. I know everyone says they usually hate it, but when you find the right style for you, I feel like you're going to like it. I can read the first two stanzas of the one I was talking about before, Dragonfly by W.H. Davies. I'd love that. Fleetwood Mac wrote a song about it, or cool. based off the lyrics. So it's going to be really hard to say the lyrics and not sing along to the song. You can sing but... it. This is a safe space. <laughs> okay. Now, when my roses are half buds, half flowers, and loveliest, the king of flies has come. It was a fleeting visit, all too brief, 
and three short minutes he has seen them all, and rested too upon an apple tree. There his round shoulders humped with emeralds, a gorgeous opal crown sat upon his head, and all those shining honors to his breast. My garden is a lovely place, thought I, but is it worthy of such a guest? That was beautiful. But it's like the, the tone of that one just seems like very mellow and peaceful. And... Yeah, that's deep. I like it. Mm. What it song... goes on for a bit longer, but... Does it? What song do they base off of this? It's actually called Dragonfly as well. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, that's awesome. Mm. Love that. Okay, so I think that, that brings this episode to a close. Here we go. Happy National Poetry Month. I hope mm. you try at least one poem this month just to see just to mm. adventure everybody's got to have one favorite poem yeah and you should Even be able to was, recite I, it i once knew a man from nantucket <laughs> <laughs> and then like like when the pandemic is over and we're all at dinner parties we can just recite them i'm sure that's a useful adult life skill that we all need oh just one more thing before we close have you ever written any poetry yourself this is a safe space <laughs> I'm making like crazy eyes at Austin. Um, <laughs> yes, I have. Um, yes, I have. And we're never going to, it's like the fan fiction. We're never going to talk about it. If you want to have access to Sophia's poetry, <laughs> subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> oh my God. That has never seen the light of day. Okay. Can you give me some details at least on this poetry? I'm pretty sure at least one piece was actually published in blueprint Okay. It's kind of crazy that I did that, thinking back to it. But you know what? That's what university is for. Just experimenting with poetry, not smoking 10,000 cigars, and living <laughs> your best life. That's how it goes. That's what we should go to a slam poetry thing, and we'll just bring 10,000 cigars <laughs> with us. Roll up. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that would make us friends. <laughs> what do you mean? We heard all poets like these. <laughs> okay that's all for this week then yeah see you next week thanks for listening everyone hope you're all staying safe happy 2021 we're making <laughs> it through we're gonna be fine <laughs> and happy poetry month everyone <laughs>